your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you. We seek your favor to help us understand the depths and wonders of your love as revealed in your word. We come to hear your voice and to follow your son, the light of the world. Please speak to us through your word by the power of your spirit for your servants. Now listen. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Now, nearly all of us in the sanctuary this morning who have lived long enough, and in this I would include everyone who is four years of age or older, realize that there are a lot of decisions that you have to make in life. If you're a child, you wonder if it's worth getting into trouble for not cleaning up your room. Or you may be thinking about being nice to someone who's not been so friendly to you, and you struggle with the decision Am I kind to this person with the help of Jesus? Now, if you're a little older, you wonder if you're going to pass the exam. And so you make decisions about taking time to study or playing one more game on the computer instead. You have decisions about what schools to attend, what course or major you will embrace. You face decisions about your job. And you know, also in the course of time have to make some decisions that border on the fringe between what is ethical or not. You consider dating and marriage. Decisions there. You have decisions to love your spouse and your children and what kind of daily routines to embrace. At times you have to consider investments or the lack of investments and consider whether your retirement plan is sufficient for your future. At times you face health decisions on behalf of your parents, and as you get a little bit older, you realize that you're facing health concerns about yourself. In this life, you have a lot of important decisions to make. And so the question is, who is going to guide you in all of these decisions? The answer is Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, as he is presence present with us day by day. And to see the glory to the light of the world, we'll look first about his claim, then his call, and then the conviction that he calls us to bear. First about the claim of Christ, where he says, I am the light of the world. It begins with the simple phrase, I am. This is no idle conjugation of the first person singular form of the verb to be. Rather, it is a staggering confession and claim of Christ to be God and to be present. The backdrop is in Exodus chapter 3 where Moses is puttering around in the desert of Midian when he suddenly sees a burning bush that was not being consumed by fire. As Moses approached, God called him out of the bush saying, Moses, Moses. And the Lord tells Moses to take off his shoes for he's standing on holy ground and he calls him to be the deliverer of the descendants of Abraham currently enslaved in Egypt. Now Moses must go before Pharaoh and demand that the king free all of God's people from their slavery slavery immediately. And so Moses asks a very understandable question. 
When asked, whom shall I say is sending me? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now fast forward to John chapter 8 and Jesus speaks the second of seven I am statements when he proclaims that I am the light of the world. Jesus is claiming God's personal covenantal name for himself. He was, in fact, claiming to be God. And you think if his audience had missed this, the Lord's intent was perhaps lost on his opponents. You need to look no further than the last verse of John chapter 8, where they took up stones to throw at him. The religious crowd knew what Jesus was claiming for himself. But as our verses tell us, his time had not yet come. It is a wondrous claim, though, that Jesus is the light of the world. He is the fountain of our salvation. In Him receive the light of life, which is abundant and eternal. And yet there's something else here, though, in this claim. As Jesus claims to be light of the world, He is also judging the human race. That apart from Himself, the human condition is in abject darkness. Men and women are in darkness. Their minds are darkened. They are blind and cannot see. Darkness represents the unknown and the chaos in our lives. The greatest darkness of all is the darkness of our sin. Unconfessed sin and especially a life dedicated to sin are full of darkness. The darkness around us can be overwhelming in its enormity. Unless we look to the Lord Jesus Christ. And how does the light of the world deal with that darkness that is in the human soul? Do you remember how the Gospels speak of it? As he dies on Calvary. When they nail him to the tree. There comes a moment in the experience of Jesus upon the cross. When he is lifted up upon the cross. And there is darkness upon the earth. For three hours. In the middle of the day. Jerusalem was dark. And what was happening? Jesus was taking upon Himself the darkness of our human condition. As our sin and the guilt of our transgressions were imputed to Him, He cries out in the midst of the darkness, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? Our Savior did not hear an answer. Why? Because He had entered into the darkness of the human condition and He became our substitute so that you and I by faith in Him can walk out of that darkness and into the sunshine of eternal life. Well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut its glories in, Wellesley said, until Jesus cried out, It is finished. And on that glorious resurrection morning, from the darkness of that tomb, Jesus emerged alive. The good news is that we may daily seek the help of Jesus to find light in the darkness, hope amidst despair, forgiveness in spite of sin. He gives the light of life that is abundant, a life that is eternal. So what about you? Has Jesus brightened your life? Is there light in your life that keeps you from stumbling in the shadows of sin? 
If not, dear friend, there is hope for the light Jesus Christ is still shining and He longs to be with you. Glory to the light of the world. And so as we move to our second point, the call of Christ, we simply ask the question, how do we find this light of light, the Lord Jesus Christ? And here Jesus calls for us to follow Him. Whoever follows Me, He says, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now following Jesus is more than a simple act of imitation. The Greek is akalutheo, used some 18 times in John's Gospel. It means that we commit ourselves to His person. It means that we trust the light of the world, that we might enjoy the light of light. We lean on Him. We trust Him for our salvation. Now following Jesus requires seeing Him as He is, the Christ of the Bible. It's coming to Him humbly submitting to His cross before His crown, seeing Him lifted up where Jesus is calling us, if anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. In John, in in his Gospel and in his epistles, following Jesus is really coupled with this idea of walking in the light. For we embrace An ongoing, continuing relationship. We enjoy an abiding relationship with Jesus. The light of the world that provides direction for life for eternity. Jesus guides us in all our decisions. How does He guide? Well, walking in the light in His his community. We know that we abide in His Word. We seek others who have wise counsel in God. We fervently pray and we consistently rest in His love. Again, we look to the Word of God, the Word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our paths. Looking to God's Word as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, think again about the wilderness wanderings in which the people of God are celebrating in a very unique way. Please listen to Numbers chapter 9 as the people respond to the light in a very informative way. Listen to these verses. This is as the cloud is moving, representing God's presence as it covered the tabernacle. This is what Moses writes. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud, the presence of God, covered the tabernacle. And at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that, listen to this, the people of Israel set out and in the place where the cloud settled down, listen again, there the people of Israel camped. At the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out and at the command of the Lord, they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained. Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time. And yet at the command of the Lord they camped and at the command of the Lord they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. Here's the joy. Here's the grace of following Jesus and walking in the light. Do you see what Moses is emphasizing? God 
gives us His presence. We cherish His presence. Wherever He is, that is where we want to be. And if the cloud was there for months, that's where Israel wanted to be. And yet the moment that the cloud began to move, they started packing up and they started moving with the cloud. They followed the presence of the Lord. Do you see what Jesus is saying? I am that cloud. I am the presence of the Lord in your midst. I am the light. I am your light. And I will guide you. Now sometimes I think we make two common mistakes. First, we think that following Christ means that we grit our teeth so we can be good enough for His team, you know, here in the church. It's in our strength we simply try harder and we miss the fact that following Christ is all by grace. We need to connect obedience with His love, good works with His power, and righteousness with radical dependence. So that's one mistake. Secondly, though sometimes we try to assume His call to follow is a one-time event. You know, we buy the ticket, we walk the aisle, we are born again. And yet we sometimes miss that following Jesus is a regular and repeated act day by day. It means getting back up when we trip. It means returning to Him when we fail. It means trusting His favor when we fall on our face. You follow Jesus by walking in the light, by constantly looking to Him, abiding in His Word. Does this mean that as Christians we no longer sin? No. In fact, again, the Bible tells us if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in it, in us. Yet the promise of God, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We confess and repent. Christ forgives. The glorious truth of the Gospel is this, that the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. This verb is in the present tense showing us that this cleansing is a continuous process day in and day out our fellowship is maintained hallelujah as we walk in the light so now how about you do you apprehend your the darkness of your heart and mind do you acknowledge your need for jesus being the light of the world are you intentionally walking in the light is your life characterized by dependence upon god's love and provision The good news continues. We need not stumble around in the darkness. We walk in the light together. Glory to the light of the world. And finally, though, we come to the last point. There is a conviction that is being called of us to embrace this truth. That Jesus is the light of the world. We embrace Christ as He brings us out of darkness and into His life. And the question here as we look at the final verses, and this really is from verse 13 to verse 20, is how do we know that His claims are true? The answer is there are incredible evidences to support His claim and His call. 
They must be illumined by the Holy Spirit in our dark hearts. We have the witness of Scripture. John writes in his first epistle that God is light. The writer of Hebrews proclaims that the sun is the radiance of God's glory. And here John is telling us, I am the light of the world. In fact, he's really implying, I am the radiance of the glory of God. And you see here that the Pharisees complain. Sadly, though, they do what we do at times. They put God in the flesh on trial. Do we not do that at times? We face something difficult and we put Jesus on trial when we think we deserve better and He gives us less than what we want or what we desire. We accuse Him of being unloving or unjust. We fail to see the evidence of His love in His life and in His death and in His resurrection. And yet, we are not His judge. He is holy and blameless. He is creator and sustainer of life. He is God and we are His creation. But notice that the Pharisees object. They say you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. To Jesus the Pharisees ask, who are you to be saying these things? Do you see how Jesus responds? It's really astonishing. Jesus says, in effect, I am an expert witness about heaven. I'm an expert witness about God because I'm an expert witness because I have been with God the Father for all eternity. Heaven is my home. I can give you the details because I am an eyewitness of it and it is breathtaking. Now if you look at these verses a little bit more, you see that not only is Christ an expert witness, but he says there's another witness that backs him up. Jesus is, in in fact, invoking the Old Testament law that says by the mouth of two witnesses, something will be regarded as valid. And do you see who Jesus' second witness is? It is God the Father who testifies about me. It is God the Father who testifies of me through what John the Baptist has said. He testifies about me through the miracles that I have done. He testifies of me through the Old Testament Scripture that I am fulfilling. And since we have these two expert witnesses, God the Father and God the Son, we both agree, my claim is valid. I am the light of the world. I am the radiance of the glory of God. Think about that just for a moment. The good news is so astonishing that in this miserable, darkened world, there is a light shining, a brilliant light. You remember in the, that moment in the Lord of the Rings, the two towers, when Gandalf the Grey, he takes off his clothes or cloths, and there he is, Gandalf the White. And everybody steps back. Well, multiply that by affinity, and that's who we have in Jesus Christ. There is a man who is perishing and he sees a faint glimmer in the distance. But it's the beauty of Jesus calling him. I am the light of the world. And so, do you know what it is to respond to the light of the world when he calls us to follow him? Can you say that you have seen the light that shines in the person of Jesus and you walk towards that light and he has brought you out of darkness and into his kingdom?
He is describing the wonders and joy of the way of salvation. Now with a smile on my face, we don't come together for the biggest and best camping trip that has ever existed. And yet you are all invited to trust the one who is the light of the world. With all the decisions of life that we face, know that he will faithfully guide us as we follow him. So the wisest decision of all is that we follow him day by day. We come to the Lord's table this morning. It reminds us of the ongoing blessing of following Jesus Christ. We remember this great gift to us as we come to the Lord's table. Glory to the light of the world. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence just now, we thank you for the light that shines in the midst of darkness. We thank you for our blessed Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as the light of the world. We pray that we would shine the light of your life for others to see to the glory of your name in Christ. Amen.